Hey. Oh, that's loud. So, are we called to live like and be like Jesus, or should there only be some similarities? So, are you called to live like, be like Jesus, or is it like Jesus was Jesus, and you're you, so, like, there should be some, something unique to Jesus, you know, because he was who he was, and for the most part, we should be kind of similar, or... Are we really supposed to be walking around and talking and living and thinking like Jesus was? Like, is that the call? So that's something worthwhile to talk about. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, what John is the author of the book, we'll talk about in a minute. What was his nickname? All right, that's why we asked each other what our nicknames were. What's the focus of John's gospel? What verse supports this? Are all people children of God? All people throughout the planet. And the last one there, we got a fill-in. So let's take a look. John chapter 1. And um, before we dive right in there, look at that first question. Are we called to live like and be like Jesus, or should there only be some similarities? So here's one of the things that was on my heart and mind as we, as, uh, you know, considering another book to, you know, go through and study through. Um, couldn't get Jesus off of my mind. And uh, it is true that we are supposed to live like think like, act like Jesus did. We should even be doing the same things that he did. That's a high calling. A high calling. And it's going to take the whole rest of our lives, you know, to continue to do better in doing that. Obviously, one glaring difference is that he was completely sin-free. As soon as we were born, we had sin and the mark on us. So that's a loss there, right? But when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he washes us clean of all sin as far as we are concerned with God and being in his family. So the communication lines are open. Sin is not in the way anymore. And then what the Bible says, it says that a peace of God, a part of God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in the believer. We read about in Ephesians. It's a deposit that we will cash in on, actually that our Father will cash in on when we get to heaven someday. And he would say, where's that deposit of the Holy Spirit? It's, it's inside that son or that daughter. And the reason why I know, and it's not just my opinion, that we are called to live like and be like Jesus, right? That's a high calling. The intent of that statement is not to make you feel overwhelmed. So please don't go there. And the enemy would love to have you feel overwhelmed about that. And say, well, that's Jesus, you know. He would just go you know, to crowds and heal people and speak life and bring truth. And he could even walk into a room and know what people were thinking at times. And have understanding about where people's motivations were. Believe it or not, the Christian believer is headed toward those things in life as we grow in Christ. We are headed in those directions. Like, that's where we're called to be. That's where we're called to go. So it's not crazy for you to think that, yes, at some point in time, if I were to pray for someone, some healing might follow that. 
it shouldn't be crazy to think that as we get to know people and pray for them, be invested into their lives, that God may speak supernaturally into your mind and into your heart about them and about their lives. Not in a strange psychic kind of way, but in a godly wisdom spirit-led kind of way. Like we're headed down this track. This is where God is trying to bring us. Because the Bible is really clear that the gospel, the good news, being a Christian, is not just a matter of talk, but it's also a matter of power. And so that should really be the distinguishing mark you know, of the Christian. And let me show you a couple of verses about why that's the case, that we really are called to live like and be like Jesus. We have some verses, I think, on the next slide here, and there's a few of them. It says in 1 John 2.6, He who says he abides in him, so somebody who calls himself a Christian, ought to himself also walk as he walked. John 14, later on in the same book we're in. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That's a radical statement right there. He says, I say to you, he who believes in me, not someone who went to seminary, not someone who is a pastor, not someone who has their PhD in biblical studies, not even someone that can read Hebrew and Greek, and all those things can be good, but somebody that believes. Oh, I believe, right? Somebody who believes, really believes all their heart, mind, and soul, every fiber of their being. Somebody who believes in me, the works that I do, he slash she, will do also, and greater works than these. That's big time. So we're not called, like, just to sort of just function and be nice to people and for the most part, not get into fights and kind of balance life and be kind of healthy. We're called to live like Jesus. And then also, as we do that, Jesus promises that we will do things even greater that he has done. That should be really sobering. And I think that's incredibly amazing. Because you and I both know ourselves and our inadequacies and our weaknesses and all the baggage that we carry. And God is saying, yep, I hear that, I see that. But my grace is bigger than that. Walk in faith and follow me, and you will experience this. Until then, it's just rhetoric and a nice mental ascension. So it's crazy. These are big words. Look at the last part. For to this you were called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Like we are called to follow, be like him, think like him. It's so difficult if we don't even really know about the life of him. Isn't that like almost near impossible? Yeah, I'm going to be like Jesus and like Jesus. You know, he did the, you know, he did the thing on a hill where he fed a lot of people and... He had a guy that walked on water, you know. And, like, if we're that vague and we just sort of kind of understand some popular things that happened in his life, man, we're in trouble. We don't know how he thought about people, how he approached people, where his mind was at, where his heart was at, because that's where we're called to be as well. 
So I know for us as a church, it's really important to be really good and knowledgeable about who Jesus is and what was going on in his life. And I know we just studied the book of Matthew, so there was a lot of vitamin J in there. But we're going to get even more vitamin J from John. Because it's a different perspective. It was another apostle. So, we're going to spend our time, who knows how long it'll take to get through it, but we'll get through it, I promise, but we're going to get like another end. There's stories in here that was not in Matthew, that for whatever reason, God chose to speak through John and not through Matthew. And there's stuff in Matthew that God chose to write down through Matthew and not have in John. But John is kind of a unique book. It's pretty different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So who is this guy? Who is John that's writing this? John. I think I got a picture on the next slide. So John is not the guy with the white robe, right? (laughs) Hopefully we got that part down. Um, John would be one of the other guys with the fishing net. I don't know which one. This is just like a pretty decent picture. You know, I tried to find like a good picture of, you know, St. John. And it's really hard to come by, you know, because nobody really quite knows what he looked like. And all we really know is that he was a fisherman. He had a brother... James. And kind of the inner circle of Jesus was Peter, James, and John, two of them being brothers. This is when he calls them. This is when he calls John and his brother James. They're just fishermen, just regular people. I'm telling you, if there's any people like Naugatuck in the Bible, it's a couple of fishermen. It's some blue collar people. Like, this is the town. This is who, you know, this is who we are blue collar working people. And Jesus calls them. And man, these guys turn the world upside down and it hasn't stopped yet. It's amazing. A couple of fishermen that just said, yeah, I'll follow you, I'll go. They just had a willing to go. It's really important just to be willing to go. They just said yes. So his nickname, he had a nickname. I don't know what the nicknames that we heard in the room, you know, when people were asking about it. Um, his nickname was Son of Thunder. He got nicknamed that um, by Jesus. Uh, him and his brother, James and John, sons of thunder. I don't know why he named somebody a son of thunder unless maybe they got kind of a temper, you know, or maybe difficult to work with. Um, I don't know. Another name throughout the gospel that John is referred to as a beloved disciple. Like Jesus had a special place, you know, in his heart for John. But this is who he is, and this is what we're going to be reading about. And so... Uh, The focus of this gospel, the reason why John wrote this. It's always important to ask, like, why why did somebody write this? Why is this in here? The whole reason that John wrote this book, he says in the very last verse of the book. So we're going to cheat and go ahead for a minute. On the next slide, Austin, you got the next slide there? But these are written. So this book, the stuff that's in this book is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John's whole point for writing this book was, man, I want to tell you, he actually is the Son of God. Not just a nice guy, not just a good teacher, not just a wise prophet. He truly is the Son of God, the Messiah. That was his point in writing this, is to get that across to his audience. So those themes come out strong as you read through the book. Well, when we read Matthew, 
the point he was trying to make in Matthew was showing the kingship and the authority and the sovereignty of who Jesus is. And this one, he's truly the son of God. So let's see what it says. Sound good? Let's see what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Tell you what, people got a lot of problems with that, like right there, right off the bat. Like, that's where the problems come in, right there. Like, really. Now, right, the word, right, that means Jesus. So the word is referring to Jesus, okay? So in the beginning, right, was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus, right, was God. So in the beginning, it all started with God and Jesus. Like, there's where most people have a problem. Starts there. I mean, that's where the faith starts, right? In the very beginning. Like, even in Genesis, the first words, like, that's where the problem is says. In the beginning, right? Like, that's usually where the problem arises. But by faith, none of us have been in the beginning. I mean, unless you have a DeLorean in your garage somewhere and you can get back there and go check it out. None of us have been. We're believing in faith that it is what he says it is. It's the mark of the Christian, is faith. And you can give lots of reasons, and you can read, you know, lots of books, and be educated on, like, how the world was formed, and um, all kinds of things that have happened, and all that stuff is good, but at some point, it takes some faith. There isn't enough arguments and scientific evidence in the world to prove conclusively why God did it, how he did it, and when exactly he did it. At some point, it's taken faith. And honestly, I'm kind of glad. Because if there was a God where I could have them all figured out and then I could make a decision, that seems like kind of a little God. Because I'm not very impressive. Right? So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, through Jesus, all things were made. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So right in the very beginning, Jesus is right there. At creation, the very beginning, all things being made through him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now there's going to be a theme going through the entire book of John. He's a big fan of this light and darkness contrast. And talking about how Jesus is light. And how things apart from Jesus is darkness. And brings darkness. And darkness comes to like represent sin. And light comes to represent Jesus. And through, throughout the Bible, that theme's going to come up. And we're going to do something later to kind of illustrate that and close up later. So we'll talk more about that part later. But it's very interesting how the entire world was made through Jesus and I, got, I think on the next slide, in Colossians 1, it talks about, Colossians 1.16, about how Jesus, yeah, Jesus was always and is always, he created everything and he was not created himself. So Jesus is not a created being. So that's why, like, even in the Jehovah's Witness Bible, it says, in the beginning was a God. All right, and, and it's like a different translation that, that twists it. And the Jehovah's Witnesses don't see Jesus as actually part of God, God's Son, but yet they're both the same, right? They don't see it that way. 
because they interpret Greek a lot differently. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. All things on earth created Jesus. He was right there. And all things, the last sentence is pretty crazy. All things created through him and were all made for him. Like, it's no wonder a lot of time people go through life searching all kinds of things and trying to try all kinds of things until they can experience some kind of peace that actually lasts. And you can go with diet, and you can go with medicine, and you can go with meditative practices, and you can do the 60s route and, like, you know, do LCD and acid and go crazy and lose your mind and free yourself. Listen, you know, there's only... We were created to be with God. We were created by Jesus himself and then for him. And to try and fill other stuff in there, it's like a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Maybe some things will work for a season or for a period of time or have the illusion that they are. But at the end of the day, man, it's just not working. And plus, it never takes care of this whole sin issue, right? It never does. So verse 10. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, right? So he made it, made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's sad, isn't it? You ever feel rejected and not understood? Can you imagine creating something? Or parents, like with their kids, and then they're like, it's hurtful. And, you know, I get to an age, you know, of responsibility and figuring some things out, and they say, I don't want any part of you, you know, and they just up and leave and just want nothing to do with you. And, but at least they can recognize you to say that they hate your guts. Jesus made the world with a heart of love, like behind it, and then came and and you recognize him or figure him out. It's got to be hurtful. Good thing he's not as sensitive as we are. And good thing that God is making us less sensitive like that too because we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? God has some thick skin and realize what's really important. Verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God. Really important verse here. Yet to all who received him, so say received. To those who believed, say believed. He gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. So interesting question, right? Are all people children of God? It's interesting. I was talking with a coworker this week. And there's a particular coworker that I talk with a lot. And we get along really well. And um, he's trying to figure out exactly how God fits into life. And is Jesus, like, really, you know, the Son of God? And does he want to make that leap of faith and, like, commit and surrender his entire life? You know, he's really working through it. Most of the time, it's, you know, he's incredibly sarcastic and joking around. And he's got lame stuff. But when you get past the facade... He's really trying to figure that one out. And we were talking this past week. It was a good conversation. And um, we talked about a whole bunch of different things. And, um, you know, one of the things that he brought up was, you know, he's like, I don't understand the hell thing. And it's like, okay, you know, what, what, what do you mean? You know, what are we talking about? He's like, you know, I don't understand 
He's like, that's me. That's like saying, you know, I would have a place for my kids to go if they decided to reject me someday. And that place to go, like, they would burn forever. You know, I just, he said, and I'm like, he's like, you know, I wouldn't be considered a Christian. He said, I'm just a normal person. He said, I would never even do that to my kids. He said, it just doesn't seem right. He's like, I just don't understand. I'm like, well, so what you're saying is partially true. I don't know if it's exactly the same. I mean, we're talking about the creator of the world who created everything and who holds all authority and knows all. So it's not quite like a parent just having a kid. Right? We're talking about the creator of everything for all time. And at the same time, this place of hell... It's a tough issue because a popular opinion is that God should just be like super loving to everybody and everybody gets a pass. And I was like, man, I hear what you're saying. I said, but at the same time, you've got to balance that. He did send his son. He did die. That comes with a cost. I mean, if like, you sent your kids for somebody else to go die for somebody, what, you're just going to take anybody now? Like, there has to be some cost with it. And then we're talking some more. I said, also, like, God is, there's a big part of him that has to do with justice. There's a big part of him that we're, it's like this. Like, people in our world, there, there, there are a few things less frustrating than people who intentionally commit evil and wrong acts, intentionally. And then they're able to get away with it. Either through manipulation or coercion or pay people off or whatever it is. That's very frustrating when there's injustice like that, especially when it's at the cost of other people. So you take a country like Sierra Leone, which is one of the poorest countries in the entire world, and what they manufacture there is one of the most valuable resources in the entire world. Diamonds. They make diamonds there. And it's one of the poorest countries in the entire world. And there's an incredible amount of injustice and corruption that is there. God is not okay with intentional corruption and injustice. And he has a way that he's dealing with it. And so my friend, he's like, yeah, I know, I understand. He said, but really? He said, a lake of fire? Like, at some point, I said, I don't know, man. This is what God has done. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I know it looks like that on the surface, but there is so much more to his love and who he is and how he made a way for us not to be there and all he wants is for us to be with him and he creates millions and millions of opportunities for it. And if there was an enemy or a devil, he would love to just show you that there's just a hell issue and he's just a brutal beast. I said, man, his heart is way different than that. I don't know if that's a good enough answer, but, you know, that's just what I had at the moment. And sometimes you're going to get in conversations like that. Just give them the best answer you got. That's all you can do. I was going to say more, but okay. So are all people children of God? Not necessarily. We're made in the image of God, but we're not all children of God. Oh, I'm sorry. So the whole point of the story, wow, sorry, I got off. So the whole point of the story, the point of the story, yeah, 
the point of this story was that he came, he came back and he said, yeah, the hell thing. I don't understand. He goes, well, we're all children of God, aren't we? And you're going to send your children? Um, and that was it. And I was like, no, actually, we're not. We're not all children of God. Like, people are made in God's image and in his likeness. He loves people. Desperately wants to be with them. But you see right here, verse 12, yet to all who received, you've got to receive him and then believe on him, and then he gives the right to become children. It's like, yes, we're made in his image, heavenly father, right? There is this parental aspect. He's also Lord, Savior, and King. So at some point, the kids will say, have to submit to dad's rules and dad's authority and say, dad, any way you say, that's what I'm doing. I submit. And then like you're willingly making yourself a child under his rule and under his authority and what he says. Not a lot of people want to do that. Not a lot of people want to do that. And God desperately wants for that to happen. Desperately wants for that to happen. And he wants to use us to communicate that truth. See how important love is? Love is so important. And it's okay to like debate and talk with people about stuff and try and prove different things here and there. But man, it's just got to be like a heart of love in that. Total heart of love. Because that's what really hits it home. That's the mark of the Christian. It's always been about love, always will be about love. So verse 14 says, the word became flesh. How did it become flesh? It became flesh on Christmas, right? Through Mary. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. So now there's another John we're talking about. John is talking about John. That's confusing, right? John is talking about John the Baptist, JTB. Right? JTB. So JTB testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this is he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So what John, the author, does, he starts to paint a picture about how the Messiah came, and he starts to talk about this guy, JTB, John the Baptist, who opened up the way, and he was like the forerunner. He was the trailer, the preview of like, hey, the Messiah is coming, the Messiah is coming. And for a Jewish audience, that would mean something, because they would know that a voice in the wilderness would be calling out, preparing the way of the Messiah, and so he's trying to tie that truth together for those that would be Jewish in his audience. Now, The last thing in your bulletin here. We'll close up with this. It says, the battle is between... I want to talk about this light and darkness thing when we close up with this. The battle is between the basket on and the basket off. The battle is between the basket on and the basket off. Here's what I'm talking about. Again, this contrast of light and darkness is going to be a theme throughout the entire book. And John is going to try, again, 
to show that Jesus is truly the Son of God. Basket on, basket off. What am I talking about? Here's something that I wrote down. It says, light is always superior to darkness. Isn't that true? Yes. Always superior. Always. And darkness is always inferior to light. Yes. Isn't that true? Now, as we, as we talk about this, right, Jesus said in John 8, 12, a little bit later on in the book, I am the light of the world, right? He said that. So light is always superior to darkness. Darkness is always inferior to light. Darkness has no rights, and it's not even a close fight. Right? So, like, Keith, you want to go in the hallway and shut the lights off in here? Yeah. So if we shut them off, right, it's just, and it won't be totally dark, right, because we've got some sunlight coming in, right? But as soon as he turns them on, as soon as he turns them on, <laughs> Boom, right? It's not even a fight. Like, it's not even a close match. It's just already done. Already victorious. It wasn't even like a close thing. We didn't have to encourage the light. We didn't have to, like, raise money for it. You know, we didn't have to, like, support it. You know, it's just, it just is. By default, the victory is already there. It's just already there. So it didn't need courage, right? It didn't need money doesn't need support. Its very nature is in its victory over darkness. That's in the light's nature, is that just by nature, the way that it's built, it's always more victorious than the dark. Always is. Always will be. So what about this basket business? Right? In Matthew, we can go back real quick. Matthew. Chapter 5. Oh, did I maybe put it up here? Matthew chapter 5? Oh, I did. Okay. So Matthew chapter 5 says, You are the light of the world. We're supposed to be the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, then it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So light by default already has victory over darkness. It's already there. It's already promised. It's already superior. So the question is not between a battle of light and darkness. Like when he hit the switch, they didn't have to like fight it out and figure out who was going to win. It didn't have to happen, right? So, right, here's the battle, right? Here's the battle. We said the basket on and the basket off, right? So here's the battle. There we go. Right? So, this is like what we're called to be, right? Light of the world. Don't go out. Okay. Right? Light of the world. Right? You probably can't even see it, huh, with the thing right there? You can't see that, right? You can see it, really? Here, shut the lights off. I'll have a better effect. He gets exercise at church, too. Right? So here we go, right? Light of the world. Right? So there we are, right? And like we already said, that you know, there's no battle, right? With light, there's no battle. It just wins. It's not a fight. It's not a conflict. So the battle is, 
we just talked about right here, the basket. That's really the battle, is if the basket is on or off. That's the question. Right? So, in a dark place, Naugatuck ain't the brightest place around. The valley's not even really the brightest place around. Man, I need some light real bad. And if we would just be light that we're called to do, and we already hang out with light supposedly, we pray with him, we read about him, we talk to him, we have intimate fellowship with him, we commune with him. That light should be inside of us, lives there. And when we've been with the light, we are light. But as soon as I'm afraid, you know, to start talking about, like, I don't want to, like, step on any toes or maybe what I'm going to say sounds stupid, and then I'll just 007 Christian. (laughs) Right? Now you're a secret agent. Well, if they ask me, I'll say something, but. But then they got to ask, like, really, well, ask the right questions, you know, and then I'll share. It's like, this is the issue. Are we letting the basket come on? Because, you know, the enemy is a master of trying to create situations in life and trying to create circumstances where he can make that thing darker. Because he already knows the light's going to win. It's not even an issue. He already knows that. It's a done deal. Grace, love, truth, mercy. Stuff wins every time. But then you throw in some guilt, some shame, some condemnation. You're not worthy. You know, you can't do it. Some self-pity. You know, you're a victim. And might as well put that thing right out. The world's all about you anyways. How's that light going to shine? You're busy trying to make your own light shine. It doesn't work. So that's the question. Are we allowing that basket to become on or off? Man, hopefully we take this thing, we throw it across the parking lot and say, get out of here. Right? That's like where we want to be. This is a good word, right? Bless my socks off when I was writing it down and thinking about it. I was like, thank you, Lord. So that's what we're called to be, you know, light in this dark world. Light in this dark world. And, you know, we can do nice deeds and good things for people to help them. Absolutely. But I'm saying that there's a whole other light and a whole other transforming love that brings power with it that's only found in Jesus Christ. It's only found in Jesus Christ. And some Christians know a little bit about that power and they got stories about it. Some of us are still learning, some of us are still seeking. Hopefully all of us are desiring and wanting more of it and looking to press in harder. And hope we're at the point where, man, we're not going to let challenging and difficult things in life or even our past experiences dictate what a faith should look like. God has said we're called to live like Jesus, so I'm pressing in to look like Jesus. Maybe I haven't seen any of it in my life. It doesn't really matter. If he said it, it's a step of faith to live that way. So we just go around looking to pray and love on people. We go around looking to encourage people. Because we've been with the light, man. We've been with the light. We're part of the light. So hopefully we can keep that basket off. Amen?
Amen. Let's close in prayer together. So what we'll do is right before we pray, I just want to make sure too, um, it says to all who received and to those who believed. I don't know if everybody here has received and believed. I just want to give some people a chance in case they haven't. We could make that decision right now. Um, and if you don't want to already have, you don't have to answer to that prayer. Uh, but what we'll do, let's everybody close our eyes and bow our heads. And um, while everybody's eyes are closed and heads are bowed already, um, is there anybody here that would like to receive and believe and actually become a son or a daughter this morning? If so, just look up to me. I'll see it. That's fine. And um, we'll just go with that. So if anyone wants to believe and just receive as a child, not sure if you are but want to be, you can just look up. All righty. Okay. So for those people that looked up... Just say a prayer after me and just pray it to yourself. Pray it in your heart. God, I receive and I believe in who Jesus Christ is. I thank you for the sacrifice that you paid for me. I thank you that you love me. And I want to let your love transform my life. I understand the cost, and Lord, I want to follow after you. And for the rest of us, God, we just pray, Lord, that we would not let things cover our light, Lord, snuff our light out, put the basket on, Lord. We pray, Father, we'd have more courage. We pray, Father, we would not be easily distracted from things that matter. Pray, Father, you just put a fire just burning in our hearts, Lord. And Father God, I just uh, I pray, Father, that each person here would continue to just seek your face and just be with you in fellowship, Lord. That's where the heart of this entire thing is. is just in fellowship with you. And Father, I pray that you Give each Christian, Lord, just the ability, God, to see truth from a lie, Lord, and recognize it and not spend too much time battling and wrestling with things that just aren't true, Lord. Help us to just stay in the truth, Lord, and understand you and know you better, Father. And I pray, God, that you'd fill us with boldness and courage, God, to let our light shine. It's not a faith that we're called to keep to ourselves. You've called us to actually be put on a lampstand. And not everyone's always going to like when the light shines, Lord. So I pray that when we're shining, we do it in a loving way, God, in a way that honors people, Lord, but also honors the truth. So, Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We pray, Father, that we could go out and truly shine bright, Lord, wherever we're at. Show us how to do that. It's not the same in every circumstance. So God, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I don't know if you're fasting, but you know, we got a bunch of food downstairs. And if you're fasting, just don't have any, but don't miss out on the fellowship. Have a good day.